0: We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something
1: to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're thrilled to have Phil Strzula as our special guest. Phil is a former venture investor turned HR tech entrepreneur. He's the founder of Select Software Reviews, a website dedicated to helping HR professionals buy the right tools. He has an MBA from Harvard Business School and is a self-taught programmer. So Phil, thanks so much for being on our podcast. We always like to start by asking what show, podcast, book, or blog do you go to when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking?
2: Sure. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to the conversation. I have noticed in my life that some of my best ideas come from a combination of listening to a podcast that I love and working out at the same time. I constantly just sort of like stop my workout and write myself notes of stuff that I need to do to make progress on whatever goal it is, professional or or personal. And the podcast that I do this the most with is called Invest Like the Best with this guy, Patrick O'Shaughnessy. And he interviews really famous investors, hedge fund managers, private equity venture capital, as well as really accomplished entrepreneurs. And it's sort of like a weird group of people, I guess, but it's sort of like a little bit, I feel like my tribe, like I've been investing in the stock market since I was 12 and started a company. And whenever I listen to that and do a workout at the same time, I just get all these ideas. Some of them are terrible (laughs) and that's why I write them down and I email them to myself so I can look at them in the future. But some of them are actually really great and, and actually sort of game changing. And so for, for whatever reason, and I know for some people it's walking, for some people it's running, whatever, I I just like really find myself recharged and and think really well with that combo.
0: Welcome, Phil. Thank you. And we talked to Phil earlier before we started recording. He's gonna be a new dad. So congratulations. We're very Thank excited you. about that. Coming February, as we learned, the year of the golden tiger. It's a right. very 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 uh, auspicious way to um, start the the year. Um so I li- I was thinking Phil when you were saying that it's like you know w- there's the joke that you have all these good ideas in the shower because your mind is kind of clear mm-hmm. you're not really thinking. I think your workouts kind of the same way. So you're kind of cleaning your mind, you're clearing it, the cobwebs out, you're cl- you're making space while you're working out and then you listen to this podcast. And invest like the best. Tell me some of your, tell me one, I would love this, Phil, if you can think about one horrible idea, because you said some of them are horrible. So I love to listen to like a funny, horrible idea. But then what's some of your game-changing ideas that you've had by listening to this podcast and working out?
2: Sure. So a lot of these are really boring and specific for my sort of world and so I, I'm literally now opening up the, the label in my Gmail called B Ideas. And I call it B Ideas instead of business ideas because some of them are, are just bad ideas. Yeah. <laughs> some of them are actual business ideas. Um, so one of these ideas is that no entrepreneur thinks rationally about their personal portfolio. So you've got like the money in the bank, the money in stock market, and then most of your net worth is in this like company. And I think uh there's like an opportunity to provide liquidity for those folks to give them diversification while still allowing for lots of upside into the business the downside of this is your board is going to throw up on it because they don't want you to have diversification they want you to be all in on a given idea and so you could probably structure it in a way that provides for some short-term cash flow plus a bunch of like stuff that you get in the future um while still de-risking so like That's the sort of like weird esoteric idea that like nobody else cares about that comes to me while I'm doing these workouts. Um, Others actually can be like a lot more (laughs) useful and generalizable. Like for example, the, the closing question that this host likes to ask is what is the nicest thing anyone's ever done for you? And so there's a lot of like really cool stories that come out of that. And I think a sort of broad idea for me, is just that like, you know, even though for whatever reason, my brain has always gravitated towards like business and investing and like all this stuff, the reality is that the majority of your life and happiness and, and your experience in the world comes from stuff outside of that. And so it, it's really important to be kind to other people, to enjoy moments versus looking at your phone or thinking in the back of your head about all the emails that you have to write. And so I I actually wrote a a MailChimp cadence to myself of like the 30 or 40 ideas that relate to work-life balance that I really want to keep top of mind that are just like really hard to do on a day-to-day basis. And I, um, you know, every couple of months I I resubscribe to that cadence and I get an email per day and I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good exercise. Like I should call a friend that I haven't talked to in six months. So that's probably one of the better ideas that's come out of it.
0: Yeah. So you just to make because we love to talk about action on this podcast, Phil, and, and advice for people. Mm-hmm. So you set up your MailChimp to send you an email every day for what 30 days to give you some ideas on work-life balance.
2: Exactly. So I just it was a Saturday morning raining up here in Boston. Many times we get bad weather and I get free time to do random projects. And I <laughs> I said, you know what? Like there, there are all these ideas that like are really hard to internalize in the the chaos of everyday life, and so I just wrote one idea per email and put them into a, a sequence in Mailchimp, which I use for my business. And I just you know added myself, so each day I, I get a note that's like, "Hey, Phil, you know one of the things you're trying to work on is I don't know cutting down on caffeine. Like today, make sure to only have one cup of coffee or um, you know, do something nice for your significant other or whatever the case may be. And sometimes you just need a little bit of push.
0: I, I, we were talking yesterday with someone about just setting little tiny goals and yep. how important that is that just like you said, just not having an extra cup of coffee or doing something just nice or calling a friend or just dropping a note uh, to someone, which maybe only takes five minutes, but it really does make a significant difference in someone's life and yours, because you get that kind of endorphin rush of helping and doing something nice. What yeah. uh, Phil, what's your favorite thing this week or something for work-life balance? What kind of is is on your is on your brain that you're like, this is what I'm trying to do.
2: So one of the cheat codes I think that I've picked up, and I think I've stole this from Tim Ferris, is if you give somebody like a huge tip, you feel so good about yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so there's there's this guy that is extremely handicapped that sells bottles of water on Newberry Street in Boston, which is like the big shopping district. Mm-hmm. And he's just in his wheelchair. He's nonverbal. He's probably in his 70s. And I've actually seen him. I think he lives probably close to my neighborhood. And I've seen him getting around and stuff. And he sells these bottles of water. And I just gave him 20 bucks for one of the bottles. Um, and he saw that and he he was like very, very emotional Mm. and I almost, you know, you kind of almost feel selfish doing this, but I felt really good about doing that. And you know, that 20 bucks doesn't matter as much to me for sure. Uh, And so that was one of the things that I did this week. And, and you can, you know, give somebody a hundred percent tip when they give you a cup of coffee or give somebody a 40% tip if they do a great job as a, a waiter, like whatever the case may be, like, that's such a, a, easy way to feel good about yourself.
0: I I, li- I like what you said, because I've said that as well as what's this extra dollar or $2 or $3? And sometimes it does make a difference. Back when I was in college, that was my lunch money, right? So that that $2 was a big deal. So I don't want to discount that, that people, that is a big deal. But when you get to a certain stage, sometimes it's not. And you're like, really, that extra $5 means so much to this other person? Mm-hmm. And not as, not, not as much to me. And like you said, the the endorphin rush, the bump that you get and feeling good and it you, puts you in a good mood for the rest of the day. So thank you, Phil, for sharing that. Appreciate that. So now the big question is, what is the decision that you mm-hmm. made that changed the trajectory of your life? And what are some of those charge qualities that you use to help you make that decision?
2: Sure. So I think that... To be quite honest, like the, I, I've been debating this. I'll, I'll be honest. When you guys mm-hmm. told me exactly what the question was, and I think the biggest decision for me was to go out for the wrestling team when I was in middle school. Mm. Um, it, I, I was uh, extremely shy, even though I'm a Scorpio. I was <laughs> extremely shy. <laughs> Um, like 80 pound, super skinny kid. And I, I always liked playing sports, you know, baseball, soccer, whatever. I was never very good at any of them, but I just, uh, didn't have a lot of self-confidence and my mother had heard that there was like this really good, like new wrestling coach for the middle school team. And she encouraged me to go out for it. And I was in the gymnasium and there was some assembly and then you were supposed to like go to, you know, one corner of the gym if you're going to hockey, one quarter if you're going to wrestling, et cetera. And I was, my heart was like beating out of its chest. And, uh, I remember I was thinking, I'm just walking out of here and I'm going home. I'm not going to do this. Mm -hmm. And I saw this kid (laughs) who I won't name this person, but he he was a little bit smaller than me and he was walking towards wrestling. I was like, if he can do it, I can do it. And I did it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it really changed trajectory of my life. I wasn't very good the first couple of years, but I, for whatever reason, the bug bit me and I got really into it. I ended up winning the state championship my senior year and it gave me a lot of confidence. uh, And I, you know, I still, I think, took that confidence to do well in college, get a job, work through a a layoff in 2008 when I was right out of college and still get into Mm a business school and start a company and all that stuff. So I think that's really the thing that that changed things for me personally,
0: ah oh, I first of all, thank you. I love that when we asked this question, I love that you went way back because sometimes those are the ones like you're in middle school and you like either you make the team, you don't make the team, and whatever that is really does change the way you look at yourself and does change the trajectory of your life. so thank you for going all the way back so let's talk about so mom, so mom says here's this kind of wrestling coach. Were you open to the idea at first, Phil, or were you like, I'm not going to do this at all? Even before you got there. I know when you got there, you were going to kind of walk away, but even getting there, how did Mm. mom convince you or how did you say, all right, I'll I'll try this?
2: I think I've always been a really open-minded person Mm. and somebody who's always trying to get better at stuff. And i Logically realized that, yeah, I'm like this skinny, you know, (laughs) very shy person, I I would benefit from something that's really hard and maybe would, you know, give me some muscles and and stuff like that. So I can stand up for myself. And so I I think I was like open to it. And then of course, it came from a source that I had a lot of trust and I knew Mm -hmm. was sort of on my side. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't it wasn't a pressure thing. It wasn't like you're going out for the wrestling team and like that's that. It was more like, here's something you should really consider because it will have this potential benefit. And I, you know, the hardest part of it, just like the hardest part of a lot of things, was just getting started. And once you're on the team, like I'm not gonna quit the team, right? And I'm probably gonna do it the next year. And then I start getting a little bit better and you know people were like hey maybe you could make the varsity team when you're in high school and and then you make it and you kind of go down this progression but yeah it was more just uh thinking about it rationally despite the emotional response to run
0: yeah so what uh were you 6th, 7th or 8th grade what what middle school yeah. year were you 7th
2: Seven. grade yeah so
0: so I have to say, you're quite an, an open-minded kid and a self-aware kid. Like, where did this self-awareness come from, Phil? Because you're like, you know what? Let me rationally look at this. Most seventh graders aren't as rational as that, Phil. So it's like, let me rationally look at this. I'm skinny. I need to boost my confidence. This would be a good idea. Like, where did that come from? Did you come out of the womb, Phil, with like a pro-con list, Phil? I need to understand. Where did the self-awareness and this rational come from?
2: That's a great question. I have been journaling since like fifth grade. And oh so God. I think, and part of that is again, being encouraged by a parent and part of that's probably like, you know, some sort of natural n- natural proclivity mm-hmm. towards it uh, and, and a bit of luck. So I, I think probably there there's like a nature nurture component to it, but I was probably a, a, a slightly more mature kid
0: Mm-hmm. Than
2: most, like I, I'm the oldest of four. When I was ten, I would babysit my siblings, and and my youngest sibling is extremely handicapped, and so it was a you know fairly hard thing to do. When I was twelve, I opened up a brokerage account to trade stocks. Like I, I was just always maybe interested in different stuff.
0: Yeah. Wow. So I I love such a reflective person. Like that's what I just, I just took a note, Phil, like you're so reflective Thanks. at such a young age. Um, being the oldest sometimes make you makes you a little bit more mature, especially when you have to take care of siblings, um, regardless of if they're handicapped or not, um, but it makes you a little bit more mature. But it was in you to be that reflective and start that brokerage account. So, so now you said it took you a couple of years to kind of get good at it. How that's pretty resilient. So how did you kind of talk yourself through? Okay, I might want to quit because it is really hard, and it, I'm not seeing the results right away. Like, how did you manage yourself through that? At again, such a young age, it's so impressive, Phil.
2: Thanks. I think the idea of quitting stuff just never mm-hmm. really was high on the radar screen, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so the first couple of years, it was just, oh, I'm gonna, you know, do wrestling. And then I'm somebody that I think like latches on to bits of praise and thinks, oh, that that could be true. And and I'm sure the coaches were telling every kid, hey, you could be, you could win this tournament, you could be on varsity, you could do mm-hmm. this, this, and this. And I was thinking, you know, probably somebody said that to me once when I was in eighth grade, and I thought, wow, that 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 could be me, you know. And, mm-hmm. and how do I get there? Well, I got to work really hard. I got to lift weights. I got to you know eat right and. Make sure I'm on weight and all these other things, and then sometime around my freshman year, I just sort of got addicted to the adrenaline mm. of like beating somebody, yeah <laughs> in a match and and I thought, wow, this feels really good, and so how do I get more of this you you start training, you start you know saving up and going to wrestling camps in different States and tournaments and start watching videos on the internet to try to learn from Russian wrestlers and all this other stuff. So it just sort of put me on the path.
0: Yeah. What, what did you, when you talked about building your confidence, how did that manifest? Like how did you start to see that because you are so reflective, I'm sure you journaled about it. So how, how did you start to see that confidence play out as you were getting older and then in high school?
2: I think it's been a really slow progression, like many things. I I was actually thinking about this yesterday because somebody was comparing my uh, fiance and I, and she's a very introverted person. I'm a slightly more extroverted person. I think I started off as an extremely introverted person. I probably, you know, talked to one kid in preschool sort of thing. And it's just been a really long, slow progression. And I think that's the same with the self-confidence where, you know, I probably started off in the 10th percentile and just very, very, very slowly uh, gained it as I, you know, practice stuff and then achieve something and and realize I could do more and more. And I think that the way it's manifested itself is when you start to achieve something, you're their horizons for what are, is accomplishable uh, expands a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: so from a wrestling perspective, like maybe you get on the varsity team and you're like, hey, I could have a better than 500 record or maybe I could, you know, next year qualify for the state tournament. Maybe I could win a match of the state tournament. Maybe I could place at the state tournament. Maybe I could win the state tournament sort of thing. And I think it's the same for, you know, professional sort of things for sure. When I was in college, I remember I took the GMAT and I, I did really well on it. And I I looked it up and I said, "Geez, if, if uh, I applied to business school, I would be in the top, you know, quartile for kids that get into Harvard Business School." And I said, "I'll never get into Harvard Business School. That's ridiculous." But you know, that's kind of cool that at least on this one metric, I'm I'm on that level. And then you know, a few years later, I I found myself matriculating there because I had continued to just accomplish more and more stuff and believe in myself more and more. So it's been it's been a really slow progression, but it's been steady progress every single year. And it's sort of that whole compound interest. If you you know get 1% better every week, that adds up hugely over the course of years and decades.
0: I, I really appreciate that. That's that slow burn. And again, you didn't expect an instant result. And you're like, every day, every week, I'm getting better. And you did get this, it was a good feedback loop you're getting too, because you're getting better and you maybe won another match, or you got some more praise. And then you're like, all right, and that's going to build my confidence a little bit more. And what I really appreciate what you said, Phil, is you didn't start off this way. So I think we've been talking lately with a few people about the people as you get older, people might think, oh, Phil's life was really easy. He's always been super successful or started his own business or look at him. He's extroverted. He's on a podcast. And it's really good for people to understand like, no, I wasn't that way. And I've really worked at it to try to push myself to become more confident or become a little more extroverted because of x, y, and z reasons I wanted to do that. So I really appreciate you sharing that, Phil.
2: Yeah, of course. One little anecdote just to support that yeah. is I remember in middle school on the wrestling team, we had a pretty good middle school wrestling team, and i I was probably the worst person on it. I had a losing record. you know i I, I was just not good. I was too timid. I wasn't strong enough. And there were like six or seven kids who legitimately, like the coaches, like actually thought could be really good in high school. And they were all talking about, you know, winning state championships and all this stuff. And I was like, oh man, I was like, well, at least I'll get to be on the team with these guys Mm -hmm. when they're really good, when we're seniors in five or six years. And the ironic thing is that, you know, each of those people sort of peaked then and they, they didn't keep getting better. And I was the only one that, that actually accomplished that mm. sort of goal. And so even if you're starting in the you know bottom 10% and you, you seem really hopeless, um, a lot of people aren't going to have the focus to keep getting better and to do the things you need to do to, to make it to that next level. And so if you're, if you're starting in one place, you don't need to be discouraged because over the course of time, hard work and focus will, will pay off in a big way.
0: Yeah. You're so, uh, the, what is it? The rat, the hair and the turtle, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Because, but you're, you're so right. And, and we were talking, we were, I was of course, giving unsolicited advice to Phil about, uh, children, because that's what happens when you're having a new baby. Everyone tells mm-hmm. you their advice, whether you want it or not. But, um, but that, I remember one of the, the teachers, you said something really profound, Phil, is that, Sometimes when you start off kind of at the top, it's so much harder to practice and focus. And I remember some of the teachers saying, when the kids, when some kids who start off kind of smart and things come easy for them, or Mm. sports wise. So I start off at sports, I played football and it was really easy for me. At some point, it becomes hard. And If you don't have that skill of having to practice, because maybe I didn't start off in the top spot, it's really hard for them sometimes to make that switch because they start to internalize it. Like, well, I was really good. Why am I not good right now? And so in a way you didn't, you know, for wrestling, you didn't start off that way. You didn't have that preconceived notion of like, I'm a really damn good wrestler. And it came naturally for you. And so you had to work at it. And so you didn't have that kind of, um, that BS that can, that can get in your way thinking that, well, no, I'm naturally talented. So why do I have to work at it? And so yeah. you that script, which is, which is hard for some kids when things come naturally for them. Um, it's harder to work at it. Does that make sense?
2: It does. And it it's kind of funny. And this is sort of a different stratosphere, but related to sports, you know, if you look at the the truly best athletes in, in different sports, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, et cetera, and I'm a I'm a New England guy, so I'm a big Tom Brady fan. I know most people are not, but
0: um. <laughs> I love how all Tom Brady fans have to like put a little disclaimer right after. <laughs> right. Right, okay, okay, just please listen. He does work hard. I know you have issues with him, but like there has right. to be a little asterisk out of now.
2: <laughs> yeah, there there is for sure. But I, I think it's it's hard to dispute that he's the best football yes. player ever. Yeah. Yep. And what's interesting is he came into the league. You know, he was never really like the starter like even Mm -hmm. in high school like he was like good enough kind of to be the, the number one guy like eventually same in college and you know obviously famous for being the 199th draft pick in the NFL somebody that could have been cut from the team but I think because he he had enough talent but he had to work really hard and you in order to be truly the best like the apex of the apex like None of those people are, are getting there by talent. Like there's nobody who's that good at football. Maybe you could be the best person on your high school team, but you're not going to even be the best person on your college team if you just rely on raw talent. And so it's those people who have a chip on their shoulder, who figure out how to be really disciplined and keep getting better every single week that yeah. eventually get to the top of the heap. And you can see that across you know, professional stuff. You know, even things like comedy or magic or anything that's like very hard and and there's a lot to learn.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that because you're right. Tom Brady, people, again, you could project onto him that like, oh, it was easy for him. No, it wasn't. He almost got cut. Like you said, he was 199 pick. Like no one cared about him. So really good. And he is really disciplined. From what I've what I've read about yeah. him, in practice and just eating and everything is super disciplined. What it's, you've used so many of the charge qualities already. Felt like you talked about you had goals, resiliency, your your humility. To me, when you're like, you know what, I don't have to be the best on wrestling. I'm just going to be on this team with all these great people. It, it has so much humility to it. What are some of the other if any, uh, additional ones of the charge qualities that you use that help you with your decisions?
2: I think that some of the main ways that I think about decisions are just around trying to coach myself from a third-party perspective. So there's this phrase, looking at yourself from the balcony. Mm. And we're all you know, living some sort of narrative in our head And that makes us do usually irrational things. Like for example, maybe you feel scorned by your significant other because they didn't do the dishes and you have this narrative that they never do anything and blah, 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 and that's why I'm gonna be a jerk. Um, Or maybe, you know, you have that relationship with a customer or your boss or whatever the case may be. Like there's lots of different things and, and we're sort of programmed to think that we're right. But if you can look at yourself from a third party perspective and and try to be coachable uh, that can be a really powerful way to navigate, especially emotionally charged situations and, and keep an open mind because at the end of the day, you, you want to make, you want to overcome your biology and make Mm -hmm. rational choices. Uh, A great example is recently a family member of mine, um, we were doing an investment. And we were buying some stock from somebody. And the person that we're buying from did something a little bit shady. And and she tried to increase the price. And my family member was like, I don't want to do this deal. This is ridiculous. This person's, you know, screwing us, etc. And that was a very irrational way of thinking about it. That was an emotional way of thinking about something that Really should just be purely economic, is it? Still a interesting risk reward trade off, and the answer was yes. And so um, that person, who was much older than me, came to me a few months later and said, "Thank you so much for for helping me see that I was basically just being a big baby." And I'm glad that we actually bought it. We made a five x in, in six months. Isn't that great? And I think that the People who can do that sort of thing for themselves, which is never easy and and almost impossible to do, but if you can kind of start to go in that direction, it can be really powerful for any sort of decision-making. And for me, I've, you know, I try to do that and and meditation definitely helps.
0: Yeah. I was, I, I love that. Overcome your biology and make rational choices. I was listening to a podcast. They were talking about hot and cool and, and and emotional states and how difficult it is to make those decisions in a hot emotional state and so Mm. the practicing like you said meditation cooling yourself down because in a cool state we all make very rational decisions Mm. that's not the problem it's when you're in a hot state that how do you make that rational decision when you're in a hot state and the only way you can do that is kind of be in a hot state or know how to calm yourself down when you're in that hot state by breathing or um, or counting to 10 or walking away from it. Something mm-hmm. like that is, is you have to get yourself into that cool state. What other, Phil, you already gave such wonderful advice. Do you have any other advice or actions for listeners as, as they're kind of making decisions in their lives and and making these choices?
2: I think – My, my other advice is to always take every other person's advice with a huge grain of salt. (laughs) Uh, I I was talking to a friend of mine last week who she's done a tremendous job in building a business to about a million dollars of revenue um, selling uh, a private label skin cream. And she's, you know, should I raise venture capital? Should I sell the business? Should I do this? Should I do that? And she'd gotten some advice from a, another person who basically said, hey, you should raise $10 million of venture capital money, and you should try to make this billion dollar company. And for her, she was she was going to go down that path. But there was something about it that didn't sit well with her. Hmm. And so her gut was telling her, hey, this is not the right thing to do. And even though the person who gave her that advice was extremely accomplished, that person was just projecting what had made them successful and hadn't really done much thinking about my friend's situation. And so I think that especially when you sit down with somebody who has that confidence, who has that success, you have to be really careful because they might not be as careful when they are talking about your particular situation. And so it's always incumbent upon the decision maker to parse everything to understand how they're thinking and what they should do. What's different about the situation that maybe you're learning from through this person giving you advice? What's resonating with you? What does your gut sort of tell you? Because your gut can be really, really right in many ways um, that are, are hard to understand, but are but are true. And uh, to just you know be careful, especially when the person talking to you is you know oh they they're a billionaire, they sold their company for $500 million, or, you know, they're the C-level executive at this company that I want to be at or or whatever. That doesn't mean that they're
0: right. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's right for you to your point, Phil, at listening to your gut. And I know that Kelly, like you, Kelly, um, journaled, doesn't journal as much anymore, but uh, journaled a lot. And I think that self, that reflection and knowing what's in your gut. So then when you're presented with that advice, like oh you should have 100 employees or you should be mm-hmm. a billionaire or whatever well that might not be for you and yeah. so you got to listen to that voice and it's very easy to get to to listen to the, to the siren song and be like well everyone's on shark tank and everyone's yeah. getting VC <laughs> money right and that's what you should be and that's our level of success so i don't know kelly with the the journaling and listen to your gut and that re- reflection I know you have some some thoughts on on uh, Phil's uh, beautiful advice and and wonderful insights during this podcast.
1: Yeah, I think what's what resonates most with me is how the journey that you've taken in in terms of being a wrestler, it was about developing self-confidence, focusing your energy on what you wanted to pursue, setting goals for yourself, forging and developing relationships, help making decisions. Believing in yourself enough to achieve what you want, even if you thought to yourself, well, you know, I don't know if it's a realistic possibility for me to go to Harvard Business School, you did and you got your MBA. I have to believe that that helps make you a, even an even better consultant or advisor to the clients with whom you're you're talking with on a regular basis. Would I be right in saying that?
2: I think so. Yeah. I, I And this is actually something that came up last week when I was talking to my friend because she had a very... I could tell she was full. Her brain was full of cortisol. She had sort of this like fear (laughs) mentality when she was thinking about what to do next with her business. And I sort of was struck watching the Olympics by all of the Olympian, all the Olympians confidence in themselves. There's nobody that gets up on the high dive or that, you know, swims in the pool or whatever that is not confident in themselves. And I think that's interesting because that basically means the people who are performing at the very highest levels, and some of them might border on arrogance and some of them might not be rational decision makers about complex decisions in that mindset, but you you do perform at a very a much higher level when you have the right amount of belief in yourself. Mm-hmm. And that allows you to think more clearly and just do the come up with not maybe the right solution, but a better solution.
1: Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I growing up and being in high school, I had several cousins who were wrestlers. And wrestling is a very strategic sport. I mean, it's very difficult, very demanding physically, very mental because it's just you and your opponent on the mat. And you have to. You don't have them second. If you second guess yourself, you could wind up being pinned, right? So there are there are um, elements when I was just remembering some of those matches I would attend and how painful sometimes it was to see my cousins lose, or how amazing it was to see them win because they they almost kind of um, found a part of themselves, another gear, if you will, that allowed them to drive their their confidence to the next level. So um, just an incredible story, and I think it in our society with instant gratification being something that, you know, we, you know, makes us certainly feel good in the short term. Your story emphasizes how with persistence and perseverance, you can really impact your own life and and lives of others in the long term. So um, thank you so much for sharing your story and for for um, you know, being so candid with us on this on this podcast, we really encourage all of our viewers, all of our listeners, rather to connect with you, Phil. Um, you can check out the show notes um, in this episode for more information. And again, thank you, Phil, for joining your podcast, for sharing your story, and congrats again to you and your spouse as you look forward to the birth of your baby next year.
2: Thank you guys so much. And I just my last comment for what you just said about finding another gear. I think the number one thing that the Harvard Business School MBA does is it allows people to believe in themselves Mm. because you have all these professors and they have all these CEOs come in and say, you can do whatever you want to do. And somebody that comes in and maybe they never thought they could get a job at McKinsey, they apply for that job and they put a really, they put a lot of effort into the cover letter and prepping and all these things because they believe that they can do it and you everybody listening can find another gear if you believe that you can accomplish that goal.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you guys for having me on.
1: Thank you so much, Phil, and such great powerful words to to take us out. Thank you again for, for being on our podcast. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abraciogroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abrachi Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.